When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, hello, everyone. England are the T20 World Cup champions. They won the 2019 50-over World Cup and have added some more silverware to their white ball form. Welcome back to Cricket Unfiltered. I'm Menas. I've just left the MCG. I'm joined by Paul Dennett. Paul, England champions. G'day, Menas. G'day, everyone. It's half past 12 at night, so apologies if we're not as um, sprightly as we might be. But, uh, yeah, I thought it was... um, a really good game of cricket. Not quite a classic, but I thought was thoroughly entertained the whole way through. Uh, there was lots of intrigue, lots of um, lots of turning points, uh, highly watchable, I thought. And in the end, England deserved to win. Pakistan were worthy finalists. And yeah, England become the first ever team to be, uh, first ever men's team to be uh, world 50 over and 20 over champions. Yeah, incredible stuff. So, England won the toss and sent Pakistan into bats and they finished with eight for 137 of their 20 overs. Sam Curran, the pick of the bowlers with three for 12, but also Adil Rashid with two for 22 and Chris Jordan with two for 27 were exceptional. Baba Azam made 32 off 28, Shan Masood 38 off 28. So Pakistan finished with eight for 137, Paul. And um, was a topsy-turvy innings. They kind of slow start, a bit of a surge, and then they fell away. I think nothing exemplifies that more than the um, the 11th and 12th overs. After the drinks break, they um, looked like they were absolutely going to start motoring away from England. It was, it was tremendously exciting um, when uh, Shkan Masood smashed 16 off um, Liam Livingston. And you would have got good odds of the next ever being a wicket maiden. Um, that's what um, Rashid did. Got Baba Azam out. And then poor Iftikhar came out and could barely um, lay wood on the next few balls. So it, you're right. It was twists and turns all the way. And in the end, I think that the, the prevailing feeling is that they're about 20, 20 runs short of, of what would have been a highly, highly competitive total. And it's a credit to their bowlers that they, they took it so deep. Yeah, Shah Masood, the Pakistani batsman, said after playing the press conferences that they were aiming for 170 and they probably should have actually been more content with 155, 160, and that still would have been a good total. Um, England bowled so well in the last nine overs. They only conceded 53 runs. Uh, A fantastic team effort. Yeah, I just thought that the way that they bowled, especially Curran, um, and Rashid was fantastic. They had um, they showed the slow motion and one over of, of Curran, and the the swing was so pronounced and so highly skillful what he was delivering. And then of course Rashid getting real turn out there as well. Yeah, so England bowled fantastically. I really found it interesting what Stephen Fleming, uh, who was on commentary somewhere, said. But I've read quotes of what he said, and I think he's hit the nail on the head that um, he said you sort of get. 16 overs in and you feel 
with four overs to go, right, now's the time to absolutely try to get 15 and over and go berserk. With the Pakistan batting that was left and at the MCG, that was the wrong thing to do. And he said player after player was holding out, um, trying to hit a six. And they would have been far better off doing what they had done so well, Masood in particular, running uh, lots of twos. And kind of, yeah, to the point that he made, um, setting their sights a little bit lower and aiming for something decent rather than aiming for something impossible. Um, I thought he, he, he summed it up fairly well. It wasn't really smart cricket because they were hitting to the long side of the ground. Um, you know, it was a really long boundary on the side where Ben Stokes took those three catches and they just kept holding out there. And you, you have to hit the ball so well to clear the fence there. They, they would have been smarter to either hit straight or, or just hit the gaps on, on the square sides and run the twos and maybe look for the odd boundary because, you know, it's, it's a really long boundary. You could really see it out there that, um, you know, on smaller grounds, they'd be clearing those fielders, but it just wasn't going to happen at the, the vast MCG. I know. It was um, – I remember reading off at how Brabham, when he first – Test century he ever scored was at the MCG and it was an all-run four. And you can imagine with the little bats they had back then and no ropes that um, that would have happened fairly often. And I think it's a, it's a really good point that they – but you can't blame them too much, I suppose, that you feel in a final that now's the time to, to really clear the fence. But I think it also speaks to team balance that the, the, the Pakistan side, no question, were the best bowling team in the tournament. But they did that to a slight extent maybe at the expense of – um, of their batting depth, that Adil Rashid bats at number eleven for England. Where do you think he'd bat for Pakistan? Maybe number eight or something like that. I think there's a there's a real difference in the depth of, of the, the Pakistan batting compared to England, and that also played into the the reason that they found it difficult at the end. Yeah, so I thought they were you know, like everyone, fifteen or twenty short, but I, I I did think that the pitch maybe was a little bit difficult to bat on, and if you bowled well, you could take wickets, and you know. I thought Pakistan came out and bowled really well to England. Um, they, they got uh, Alex Hales in the first over, um, and that was a sort of broke the game open a little bit. And, uh, you know, after four overs, England were two for 32, and after six overs, they were three for 49, and the match was delicately balanced. Yeah, it certainly was. And just a word on um, the pitch. I think given the amount of rain that they've had down there, um, I think it's a it was a pretty decent pitch. Um, if I had my perfect pitch, it would have been a little bit more conducive to stroke play, but you still could, uh, you know, there were some delightful shots hit and I loved the fact that there was a bit of movement and a bit of spin. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd give the pitch a, um, a, a, certainly a strong pass mark. Same with the crowd, uh, 80 odd thousand tickets are very, very expensive. Rain was around. Obviously if India had made it, it would have been uh, much higher, but I still think that's a pretty, pretty sizable crowd for for a final. Um, and so, yeah, I think that Pakistan really, that that it was quite interesting actually when that first wicket fell. Michael Atherton in commentary, you probably didn't hear it because you were in the, in the press box, but they, they went across to him on the on the fence and he basically said, oh, it's very, very quiet here. The um, the Pakistan fans have a, uh, a sort of a sense of things aren't going so well. The Pakistan team's flat. And then when that wicket occurred, Suddenly, the game really amped up again, and for the, for for the next several overs, it was, uh, you know, um, Pakistan, England always looked like they were going to win, but Pakistan were closing in. 
And Nazim Shah bowled a phenomenal spell. I've never seen a bowler beat the bat so often and not get a wicket. He, he, he bowled the fifth over in which he beat Butler five times and still conceded 11 runs, five off a wide and then a, a six over um, the keeper's head, basically. It, it, it was just an incredible spell by, by Nazim Shah. He could have taken a few wickets there and broken the game open, but he was just too good for them. Yeah, I read a comment on Twitter that it was the best four overs, none for 30 in the history of T20 cricket. Um, and that that over was just extraordinary that he Butler couldn't lay a bat on it and then calmly in the midst of it all, flicks one over his left shoulder for six and it just exemplifies the modern player. It was, um, yeah, there were, there, were, there were periods in this match, there were moments in this match where it really reached the heights of a, of a fantastic contest. It was never poor and there were moments when it was um, it was absolutely glorious. So after 10 overs, England were three for 77, and they looked pretty good from there. But then after the drinks break, Pakistan were able to curb the scoring, uh, a phenomenal bowling effort, and they actually got the required run rate above eight and over at one stage, and Moeen Ali and Ben Stokes were really struggling to score. But then there was a bit of a turning point when I think Harry Brook got out just before that and um, Shaheen Shahafridi took the catch but I think injured his ankle at the same time. And, you know, just when the game was on a knife edge, Babar Azam needed to bring back Shaheen Shahafridi to try and uh, take a couple of wickets, but he was unable to bowl. And that just seemed to take the sting out of the Pakistan bowling as it, as it would losing one of your, you know, top strike bowlers um, at the crucial point in the match. Yeah. And there's a, there's a minor turning point just before that where Harris Ralph, after he got the wicket of Butler, he went off briefly, had some sort of um, niggle as well. And he came back on and, and continued to bowl. But I think that ideally he might've kept on going where he was, but, yeah, I think that's going to be regarded as as one of the the biggest turning points in um, in a final of, of any World Cup ever because uh, it was painful to watch when when Shaheen Shahafridi came back on and it looked like oh he's not going so well here but he's going to um, he's going to make a big uh, big go of it and he, he limped in but bowled a decent ball it was a dot ball and at that point if he had been able to continue. I think that still England were um, were definitely favourites, but the tide was starting to turn, and there's a feeling that um, Pakistan are starting to do something here. And at that point, let me just check: it was England needed 41 from 29 um, after that first ball that he'd bowled, and it was feeling like that with um, he had a couple of overs left. I think Ralph had a couple of overs left. You're starting to think. Maybe Pakistan can do this. And so when he limped off, um, it was tremendously disappointing for all Pakistan fans. And then, uh, you know, swings and roundabouts. Iftikhar, you just look at the scoreboard. Um, he went for, what was that, 13 off the five balls that he bowled in making it up. But two of them were almost wickets. Um, both right down the, the um, one Babarazm almost um, caught one in the deep. And then one went over Baba's head and he almost caught one. So, uh, yeah, if, if either of those had been caught or if obviously if Shaheen Shah hadn't been injured, then it could have got really close to the end. Ben Stokes finished 52 not out of 49 deliveries. It's his first T20 international half century. And I think everyone um, was talking about how he's a man for the big occasion. But I don't know. He seemed to make it difficult for them for a while there when he was scoring you know, below a runner ball. 
yeah, but I think that's because Pakistan were bowling really well and that the pitch was not um, all that conducive by then to, um, you know, extravagant shot making. So, no, I think Stokes played really well. And there was actually a, another point where he almost got run out. There was a, uh, a shy at the stumps from very close range. It missed and the replays showed Stokes would have been out by about five centimetres. So that could have been a, a turning point as well. So, no, I think Stokes played fantastically well. And yeah, he's the, you know, the player for the big occasion. Obviously people talk about the fact that it was six years ago that he got hit for 24 um, by Carlos Brathwaite. And so there's a, a form of redemption that he's now played a, a crucial innings as England has gone on to win the World Cup. Yeah, well said. Um, so player of the match was Sam Curran for his three for 12. He was also player of the tournament. And uh, he was injured for the last T20 World Cup, so a nice little redemption story there. And, yeah, I think we've seen him uh, develop into one of the best white ball bowlers in the world. He's a wonderful cricketer. And there was that record for a while there, even in test cricket, where um, every test match he'd played, England had won. They'd, they'd drop him and they'd lose and they'd bring him back and they'd, and, and they'd win. Uh, yeah, I uh, wish he was an Australian. Phenomenal, phenomenal player. And every time as an opposing fan when he's running into bowl, you're a bit worried, I think. Yeah. What is it about uh, left-arm quicks in World Cup finals? Was he Macram um, back in 92, 93, or 92, sorry, um, then, you know, Mitchell Johnson and Mitchell Stark at the 2015 World Cup, and then tonight we saw Sam Curran and Shaheen Charafridi put on an exhibition. It was it was awesome to watch, i got to say. Yeah, and, you know, the... The number of times, as you mentioned before, that they beat the bat. There was that period where they beat the bat so many times in a row that um, Barbarism challenged one of them almost as if sort of to sort of say, "Well, the cumulative effect. Surely there must have been a nick in there somewhere." <laughs> um, uh, one was a good seller as well. Every time he take the ball, he'd pretend like it was edged. Well, you wouldn't be able to, I suppose, tell for, because the you know you were there, but I, I presume that the noise was substantial. So you, you're just going off on where it looked, and each of them was, was passing the bat within a millimetre. Yeah, you're right. It was really noisy, and there's a lot of excitement for the Pakistan fielders. Um, Harris Ralph bowled really well, two for 23. Shadab Khan, one for 20. But in the end, England won uh, with an over to spare, five wickets in hand, on the back of Ben Stokes. Um, a few other little talking points. The crowd was 80,462, which I think is just a great turnout. I agree. And as I said, I mean, we, I, I was all set to go down and sort of logistics got in the way. And um, the, the tickets that my friend was looking to buy for us, I think were $290 each. I don't necessarily know that they were that great or not, but I do think that the ICC do profiteer a bit. I know it's the World Cup final, but that's too much. Um, so on a day when the, the forecasts were pretty poor for, for the Melbournians to turn up to that extent, um, 80,000, congratulations to them, to the Pakistan fans especially, and to the England fans. Um, to everyone who insists on not reading uh, weather forecasts hour by hour and just looking at the overall day forecast, once again, that's come back to bite you. Um, I'm proud of the fact that I was saying was, there's every chance of a game and um, um, well done on going down there, Menace. Thank you. Um, yeah, the Pakistan fans were really um, uh, exciting. I went down and met uh, Dennis Does Cricket, who was in the um, Pakistan fan area. And, uh, yeah, it was just a real buzz. Uh, there was also something uniquely um, about the, the Pakistan fans is that it was real family vibe. So they had 
all these pram stations where you had to check in your prams. Now, you would never get that, I think, for an, an Australian fixture, but this was a real family event for um, you know families of Pakistan descent and uh, just, just beautiful. I, and when I'm talking prams, I'm talking hundreds of prams outside the ground. So just gives you an idea of what the vibe was. You know, you had all, the Barmy Army getting into the pints and not too far away you had all the Pakistani families um, dancing and soaking up the cricket. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Um, and I urge everyone to do that in future as well, but always bloody well keep your eye on the game because um, the ball come pretty fast. If you've got a baby there, you want to be making sure that someone's ready to catch it if it comes in your direction. Um, another uh, talking point out of tonight is um, just the phenomenal achievement of Matthew Mott, the English white ball coach who won the 50 over World Cup with the Australian women's side early this year. He won the T20 World Cup with the women at the MCG in 2020. So he's won three major ICC trophies and um, won two this year. Um, it was just what a, what a great effort from him. Yeah, for sure. And it wasn't looking all that good all that not that long ago when they lost to Ireland. Um, in the rain and the sort of an empty MCG, um, it would have felt pretty ordinary. And they might have been thinking, we might not get out of this um, group. And that would have been um, a very different feeling to what it is. So it's, it shows how quickly things can turn around. Yeah. Um, and after the game, Joss Butler said that he felt, that, you know, that this group really bonded on that tour of Pakistan that preceded this tournament. Uh, you know, it just brought the team together and, you know, it took a while for the coach and the players to get to know each other. As Butler said, relationships take time, but boy, um, it's come together really well now. Oh, that's great for them. But um, I think that the main thing is that the, it's the quality of the cricketers that they've got. The, the fact that, you know, if you've got someone like who can bowl as well as Sam Curran and as well as Adil Rashid and bat as well as Joss Butler and um, Ben Stokes, uh, it probably would have come together for them if they'd um, hated each other. <laughs> All right. Um, and just a couple of other little um, amusing things that happened tonight. Um, I, I ran into one of our listeners, Ronnie Mack, who has come over from Iowa in the States to visit his family, but uh, he sent us plenty of messages um, to our Cricket Unfiltered account. Uh, he started playing cricket again, and he actually said Cricket Unfiltered has kind of inspired him to get back into cricket. So it was great That's to awesome. meet him, and we had a good chat. Oh, fantastic. I hope you have a great trip out here, Ronnie. And uh, I also was walking along the concourse and saw this like this crowd and there were selfies being taken. And I was like, who is this? Is it going to be, I don't know, Ian Bishop or uh, Owen Morgan? And then I saw it was Eddie Maguire was um, getting bombarded for selfies. So I really got to soak up the Melbourne culture. <laughs> I thought you were going to say it was Suresh Rayner after that ad. I'm not sure if you've seen it yet, have you? It's been on about 140 million times during the World Cup, the booking.com ad where an Australian fan and his English dad um, turn up to the cricket at the end. They walk past and someone in the hotel and they suddenly realise it's Suresh Rayner and they're starstruck. And I'm thinking, not sure that Suresh Rayner has quite that level of um, facial recognition amongst Australian and England cricket fans. <laughs> Actually, they were putting that ad up on the big screen. And uh, there is some <laughs> facility in the Melbourne cricket game where you can like, like watch the cricket from your bed. So and maybe we should do that one year, Paul, you and I. What do you mean, from your bed? What, what do you mean? Well, I think you can rent a suite with a bed in the MCG and just lie in bed and watch the cricket live. Well, that'd be all right, yeah. It'd be a good episode of Cricket Unfiltered, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, anything um, you want to say about the final or the tournament before we wrap it up? I've got one little can't let it go. 
I, I just think that it was so much a relief as an Australian fan um, and as an Australian that the game wasn't ruined by rain. I mean, Pakistanis might say that maybe if the ground hadn't been so greasy, Shaheen Sharafredi wouldn't have slipped. But the fact that they got the final in, um, you know, it would have been disappointing if it had had to be Duckworth Lewis Stern or if it had to go to a, a reserve day or heaven forbid, if it had been totally rained off. And I think that's going to be the big difference in the tournament, that with all the rain that did occur um, and the games that got rained off, it was on it was hovering on the brink of this tournament being remembered as the tournament ruined by rain. And if the final had been, that's how it would have been remembered. Instead, I think it's going to be remembered as a, as a pretty darn good um, tournament of cricket. I'm really disappointed that it's over. I was enjoying watching it so much. And I just wish that they could find a way to have more uh, you know, more tournament T20 cricket in the, that, that Australia could participate in and indeed host. I mean, the the, the World T20 has to be the the, the prime. Um, the World Cup has to be the number one. But if they could, and I've said this before, find something like the Six Nations in Rugby Union that they have in the Northern Hemisphere where we could have an annual T20 tournament here with a, a few teams coming regularly, I would absolutely love that. But yeah, um, I think on the whole, uh, the, the tournament was a, a, a really good success. All righty. Well, um, you know, just a magic tournament. Paul and I will be back this week with a full episode of Cricket Unfiltered. We're due to record on Wednesday. So much news. Glenn Maxwell out for the summer. A series against England about to kick off. So uh, cricket never stops. So we'll be back with a full episode in the middle of the week. But, yeah, congratulations to England, T20 World Cup champions. <laughs> Podcast Network.